Now, most social media posts are stories or words or pictures that attempt to show the better side of our lives. We desire to have a perfect storybook life like a Facebook page, but we all know deep down inside that isn't quite a reality. Not quite reality. We know there's nothing really perfect. We are imperfect, and yet as imperfect beings, we find something strangely satisfying in someone else's story of their imperfections. Why? Because it's real, and we can relate to those imperfections. And real is good. So I welcome you to the second installment of our series called uh, This Is Us. This Is Us. And over these weeks, our format is just a bit different. Uh, We're focusing on the stories of the Southside family and how those stories have impacted lives and, most importantly, where God is meeting us in those Kairos moments when he's breaking in to our daily existence. God continually speaking to us, desiring that we respond to his presence and, and follow him with grateful hearts. Now, Jesus steered clear of impressing a really kind of theological and religious nonsense, and he told stories. That's the method that he chose to communicate this message of God's incredible love. This incredible story of imperfect human beings and a perfect God and how God desires a relationship with us and how he sent his son for us. And in that perfect message, Jesus told stories that we might understand what God truly has done for each of us and for all of us. And Jesus was the master storyteller. He told stories to touch the hearts of others. And he appealed to so many regardless of age or ethnic background, uh, where they were with God. Because he spoke God's eternal truth in everyday language. People understood what he said. There's no question about the words that he used. It was just so simple. It was so, so very simple. And so people gathered from hither and yon to hear Jesus tell stories, simple stories, everyday stories about farmers and birds and flowers and gardens and fishing and building, all kinds of everyday stuff that every one of us experiences. And they love to hear him tell these stories. But his stories were also very challenging, life-changing, and a reminder again uh, from Matthew chapter 13, which is just a collection of Jesus' stories. Here's what the gospel writer says. Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. In no time at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation, telling stories. The disciples came up and asked, Why do you tell stories? Why do you tell stories? And so the rest of that chapter is stories that Jesus told in everyday language for everyone to hear. Later... In that same chapter, all Jesus did that day was tell stories, a long storytelling afternoon. His storytelling fulfilled the prophecy, I will open my mouth and tell stories. So here's how Mark then records all of this. When they were off by themselves, those who were close to him, along with the twelve, asked about the stories. He told them, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Well, he didn't quite yet, but they would. But to those who can't see it yet, to those who can't see it yet, everything comes in stories, creating readiness, nudging them toward receptive insight. 
He continued, do you see how these stories work? All my stories, all my stories work this way. It nudges us towards creative insight, towards spiritual truth. And so when Jesus told stories, he was drawing people to the Father's heart. And that was the method that he chose. That was prophesied long before he came that he would come and tell stories. Nudging us. Calling us to spiritual insight and discernment and truth about who God is and who we are and this wonderful plan that he's got for our lives. And so he told stories. Now, stories are not only entertaining, but also inspiring and at times transforming. Pastor Michael and Jessica told their story last Sunday. It was powerful, it was impactful, and it gave hope to many hearts here. Because somehow, again, we are strangely satisfied when we hear of the imperfections of others. It's just the way we're wired. If you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to do so. Everyone has a story, and this is Mother's Day, so we have a few stories for you. So I'd like Phaedra and Tamika and Carol to join me here. And guys, come on up, and we will talk together, okay? Now, these three happen to be members of the Southside family. They also happen to be moms, and I am glad that they are more than excited about sharing their story with us today. I believe that their stories are going to touch our hearts if we have ears to hear what God is saying through these stories. And so, ladies, are you ready? Yeah, with these three, I'm the one that's a bit nervous. (laughs) Okay. That's correct. That's correct. Good. This is Phaedra, this is Carol, and this is Tamika. Who's nervous? Me? Okay, good. He's doing fine to that song. Yeah, thanks a lot. Right? Not, not fair. Really not fair. It was good. So I have uh, asked these three, if they would, uh, describe for us where they are with motherhood, because they're all in different places as you'll hear in a moment, and to give us uh, then a, a motherhood challenge that you've been experiencing lately in your life and how God is working in and through that, and then to give us a story or an example of how God has been faithful to you as a mom. Is that fairly clear? Okay, good. So, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, Okay, so let's start with you, Phaedra. And what we'll do is we'll just take the, the question. Yeah, Tamika already said start down there. Um, uh, and what we'll do is just answer the first question, all of you, and then we'll go to the second question, okay? So uh, what we, where we want to start, gang, is describe for us, as your church family, the season of motherhood in your life. What's it like? Where you've been? Uh, just assume none of us know you and tell us where you are as a mom. Um, When thinking about seasons of motherhoods, I am in many seasons right now. I am the mother of teens. I am the mom to a blended family that makes a total of seven children. And I am the mom to the friends of said teens, which sometimes is just as heartbreaking as being the mom to your own teens. 
Mm -hmm. I'm a former single parent. I am the daughter of a mother who's in heaven. Again, thank you, not for that song. <laughs> and um, lastly, I will say that I am a reluctant mom. And that sounds pretty harsh. <laughs> but I always grew up and I always thought, I am totally okay with being the cool auntie. Like, I love to travel, I love to do things, I love to go, go, go. So when I got married, I'm like, I'm okay with that. If we can't have kids someday, I'm totally okay with that. That's, we're good, I'll be the cool auntie. Well, then one Sunday, I'm sitting literally back in that row there, so be careful if you're in the back row. <laughs> and I literally, okay, mind you, we were using birth control pills, and I sat there and thought to myself, I'm pregnant. I know I'm pregnant. My husband was up north deer hunting at the time, and there was no reason why I should know, but I'm like, yeah, I'm pregnant. I just feel like I am. I told my best friend, she's like, you're, you're not pregnant. I'm like, no, I'm pretty confident I was. And yes, enter the world, Timothy, <laughs> my firstborn child. So again, I you know, had Timothy. I was very blessed. He's an amazing kid. And then um, again, uh, 15 months later, still on the pill. So yes, I will be doing a tour of college and high school campuses about why abstinence is best. Because <laughs> yet again, on the pill, pregnant. At the 20-week ultrasound, oh, did you know you were having twins? Uh, let me think about that. No, no, I did not, but thank you. <laughs> and then not quite um, 30 weeks later, I was seeing the doctor every day because the girls just weren't moving like they had expected them to be moving. And they'd zap them with this thing, and then they'd get them to move a little bit. And finally, the doctor's like, we're going we're gonna to give you a C-section. I think it's time just to take them. We don't know what's going on. Well, they were born with what's called twin-to-twin -twin transfusion syndrome. I, one of the girls, I won't name names. I'll let you figure that out, <laughs> was taking all the blood and oxygen from the other one. Um, so I delivered here in Sheboygan. They let me hold the one who was in less critical condition, and then they shipped them both off to Milwaukee where they spent a good month. The doctor down there said basically, um, had it gone even another day, probably both of them would not make it. So being a reluctant mom, I know with every ounce of my being that these three kids here were meant to be my kids, and I love them. And I love them just so completely. And also then along with it, four non-biological kids who I love so much. So going from a reluctant mom to the mother of seven, and my job is to just love them always, not always perfectly because I make plenty of mistakes as they will know literally every day, but to love them well. So that's my story. I'm really regretting letting you go first now. <laughs> okay, where I'm at, I am, I would consider myself a professional juggler at this point in my life. Um, I go to work, I work as a hairstylist in a very small shop, so I put on a lot of different hats while I'm there. Uh, I'm also in school, so I juggle all the responsibilities that come with that. Um, I am also a single mom for right now, so juggling everything. I have one boy, and 
can't compare it to three and I can't imagine. And like, I've told Tamika, I don't know how you're not locked in a closet by the end of the day. I, I couldn't. But when you're a single parent of one kid, you are that everything. There is no go play with your brother or any, I mean, you are the playmate, you are the disciplinarian, you are it. And there's no one to tap in and take your place if you're sick or tired and you're so, so tired, so tired. Um, but amazing all the same. Um, also, if that all wasn't enough, I won't be the single mom for long because I'm also engaged, so preparing and planning for a wedding and selling two houses and everything else that goes along top of that. So that, yeah, I just juggle. I feel like every day is a juggle. Sometimes somebody throws a ball in and I can make it work with everything and then other times everything gets dropped on the floor. And you pick it back up the next morning and start all over. Very good, thanks, girl. Tamika? Hi, I'm Tamika. I'm also, I'm not as, I'm outgoing, but I'm nervous, very nervous. Um, I have five beautiful kids. Um, Quinn is my oldest. She is nine. And then there's Copeland, who is six. Kendry, who is four. Uh, Kinnick, who is two. And then Keely is nine months old. Um, we have only been married for ten years. So... <laughs> We uh, started our family right away. That was not our plan, but clearly we have learned that God's plans come way before our own. That's right. Um, we got married super young. I was 20. Kyle was 21. Um, and, well, like I said, we were still in college. I was working at the college, and he was finishing off his last semester. And I was working and just not feeling well. And the lady that I was working with, she's like, have you taken a pregnancy test? And I was like, no, are you kidding me? I'm not pregnant. We have not been married long enough. Like, this was not our plan. I was afraid to go home and take a pregnancy test because we were so, okay, we were still in, Kyle was still in college. We were going to do this and this and this. And so sure enough, I was pregnant. And so once we moved from... Uh, Northwest Iowa to Southeast Iowa, we knew Quinn was coming, and well, it just kind of went from there. None of them uh, we planned for except for Copeland. The rest have just kind of showed up and shocked us, and I cried with all of them except for Keely, because all I had left was laughter at that point. <laughs> I was like, okay, God, if this is what you're going to do, I can't cry anymore, like, my kids are a blessing, and I love them. There are five of them, so it's crazy. Um, anytime you come to my house, it will be a disaster. But I've said that I've chosen to play with my kids instead of clean my house. That's my excuse. Um, yeah, I also do in-home daycare during the day. So during the day, I am watching... Well, it varies every day, but I have a total of, what, six kids now that come um, in and out of my house during the week. And then my husband uh, started his own business in 2014. He started bullpen baseball. And so for, well, until, is it like two years ago? It's almost, yeah, I think, anyways. Um, he was doing two jobs for um, a long time, so he was gone from... 7 in the morning until about 10 o'clock at night. So my kids were 
with me, and you guys didn't really know me during that time, but had you known me, I would have looked like a mess. Um, but uh, yeah, that's for another story. I'll tell you later. Uh, yeah, that's me. Excellent. Good. No, Carol. Uh-uh. No, no. So, Carol, how about a motherhood challenge that's kind of fresh in your mind? Something that you've seen God working out, but a challenge in motherhood. I don't... (laughs) Yeah, that picture. Yeah. Um, Okay. Guilt. Tremendous and overwhelming guilt. Mm-hmm. Seen that in the first one. <laughs> I'll be right behind. Okay, thank you. Um, I don't know that it's just one specific story, but that's the thing that God has just really worked with me on and tried to deal with. Um, <sighs> um, going through a divorce, I mean, the tremendous guilt and shame that comes just with that as a oh, person you know, just living, that's bad enough. Now I have that little guy that I'm in charge of. Um, I grew up the only child of a single mom. I found myself being the, a single mom with an only child, the tremendous guilt that came with repeating the cycle, never ever imagining or wanting to be in that position, doing everything I could not to be, but here I am, fantastic. Um, guilt about just discipline. Do I do enough? Do I do too much? You know? All right, popcorn for dinner. Mom is way too tired. Sorry, dude. Like, that's how it is. Um, not spending enough time with him. Guilt over and over. The social media. Seeing all the moms with, you know, the picture perfect, everything. They bring the perfect looking snack, and I'm like, I, okay, whatever. Um, Seeing the mom, if you're one of these moms that looks good in the yoga pants with the jogging stroller, just know that I have hope you have tripped and fallen. I mean, good on you, but I'm sorry. That's my confession because there were mornings that I could barely drag myself out of bed and looking at you was not an inspiration. It was not it. Um, So just moving past that, being like, you know what? That's good for that mom. That's not going to be me. Um, and just having him help me over and over, like, sending sending people in that just would randomly say, you're doing a good job. For you, those of you who don't know, telling a mom that she's doing a good job, tremendous, tremendous. We get lost. And all the worry and everything else that happens. So just having people come in, those little moments where someone just came in and said, you're doing a good job. He's a good kid. You're not screwing him up too bad. <laughs> that one, I thought he was napping. Um, so I thought I could mow the lawn. And then I came in and thought I had maybe be raising a serial killer. Because I... Like, couldn't find the cat, and there are red handprints everywhere. So, you know, that's a mother's worst fear, is possibly having a serial killer at the age of three. Um, 
But it, it turned out, it turned out that that was just some crystal-like drink mix, that like squeezable stuff that he had gotten to. He was so proud. Uh, <sighs> but it, yeah, God saw me through that too because it actually washed off pretty easily off the doors and stuff. So, uh, yeah, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> Moments like that every day. Thank you, Carol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very well done. All right, Pedro. I just want to say, this is why we are friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, challenge, again, Rick brought this out, because I'm kind of jealous of you ladies just being able to be like, oh, la, la, la. And I feel he wouldn't even want to hear my possibly come out of my mouth. If I just... I do. <laughs> no, you don't. I know you do, but you wouldn't. <laughs> Um, I think often like challenge is a hard word because I feel challenges often lead to blessings. And I know there's some of you out there right now that are like, oh my God, just shut up. You are so, do not know what you're talking about. Um, and they're blessings that we can't fathom. So I'm going to call this my blessing in waiting. Um, me personally, I've come from a long line of educators, mom, grandma. I have my degree in education. And I never thought I'd find myself sitting in a school parking lot, um, bawling as an adult. School was supposed to be four years long. There were games. There were homecomings. There were proms. There were school activities. There was everything. But sometimes we get thrown a curveball. And sometimes a mistake made when one of the teens in your family was relatively a small mistake would lead to a series of events that made no sense and consequences that I feel were not in line with the mistake. And of course, that sounds like a mom. Of course, it wasn't that bad, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, and that caused us as a family to go head to head with not only the principal, with the superintendent, with the school board, with the state superintendent, all the whole time believing that we were right right in our concern. And I still believe that. I still believe that 100%. Um, to fight for one of our seven kids' education. Most people like don't ever think you're going to have to fight for your kid to be able to go to school, for your kid to be able to get an education, and, and we did. And, um, and I knew the answer was going to be how it was going to work out. It was going to work out perfectly. Yay, we win. I'll show you for being a bully and blah, blah, blah. And God's like, no, you don't know, I know. And so we lost. We lost four different battles. And I felt lost. I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, still kind of feel that sometimes. I felt defeated. I felt sad. I felt lost. And I felt ready to stop fighting because it didn't make sense. None of it made sense. My kids are amazing. They're completely amazing and they do things that teens do, and there's no reason why it led to this. But it did. And so it's hard. It's very hard um, seeing all the normal things that happen for most high school kids and seeing one of my kids not be able to experience that. It's constantly defeating. And, um, but God keeps reminding me that his plan he says, my plan is so much different and so much better than your dreams. So whatever I think of as, this is how it's supposed to be. It's this step and this step and this step and this step. 
God's like, um, okay, that's your plan. That's cute, but I have something different. And um, I know that God, through all this, is leading us to what's best. But it's, it's still very hard. And my whole view of everything has just been turned upside down. But the important thing is that my kids need to know that I will always fight for them. I will continue to fight for them. I will not stop fighting for them. So I continue to fight mostly on my knees. <laughs> I continue to, sometimes it's day by day, just do what I think needs to be done and um, continue to be confused. I don't know what the next step always is. Right now is a very big state of, I don't know, what, I don't know what's next. All the things I thought were next are not turning out to be what's next in God's eyes. Um, but I also find that through this hard time that God sprinkles blessings in. Sometimes they're really hard to find, and sometimes they're really hard to see, but they're there. They, I promise you, if you're going through something, I promise you there are blessings there because God loves you too much to leave you there without showing you blessings. So a few of those blessings are this picture here. This is myself, my husband, his ex-wife, her new husband, and all of our kids. This is success right here. This the lady, my husband's ex-wife, during this time has poured herself into the situation and into me and loving on me, using her resources as her job. She has a lot of resources and a lot of knowledge to help us fight this and to be there with this and to love on the kids like they were her own, as I feel like the kids are my own. So this, yeah, is an unlikely blessing. Most people don't ever think that... <laughs> A divorce can turn out like this, but it can, and this is co-parenting goals. Another is that um, I've had a tribe of friends who just come around and encouraged me constantly and made me laugh and cried with me and gave me wisdom and that God just used in an amazing way. And my husband, who's like just been there this whole time as my rock, and just to love on all the kids like they were his own, and that's priceless. And then um, I'll just close with this portion that sounded so professional. I will not close. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my sister-in-law, who is an amazing lady, um, reminded me during this time, she's like, always keep a picture, and I think this is great advice for any mom, of your kids when they were young, be it in your mind, be it on your dresser, in your wallet, on your phone, and remember of them when they were little, when they were so innocent and just the, their lovely heart and pure heart. And remember always that that kid is still in there, even when they're driving you nuts and you don't understand what they're doing and they're making some really bad decisions. That kid is in there and you need to love them like you loved that little kid. And you need to show them that you love them without any conditions. Thank you. Good. It's my turn. Mm -hmm. So, um, as you saw my children before, um, oh my, I'm just going to cry looking at it. Because <laughs> it takes me back to a time where I felt super alone, super lost. Um, when Quinn was three, she was a little over two when we moved here. 
Um, we lived in Iowa by Kyle's family, and job-wise, um, and my family lives here, we came back, um, and Quinn was a little over two. And if any of you know Quinn or have seen her, she's a very fierce, independent little girl, and she has continued to stay that way from the age of three. Um, she, um, we started realizing that she had such strong anger issues. Um, it would be over anything as little as me telling her, sorry, sweetie, we're not going to have dessert for supper tonight. Like, we don't need any more sweets. And she would <laughs> flip out. Now, you might think I'm crazy because what three-year-old wouldn't flip out when their mom says, no, you can't have candy. Um, but this was a completely different um, kind of flipping out than what I anticipated coming as being a mom. Um, she would scream and she would um, kick, she would fight. She would try to come at me. Now remember, this is a little three-year-old. She would come at me and hurt me any way possible. I would have bruises and scratches and just marks all over my body because she was so furious and angry. Now, my mothering skills at that point were brand new. This was my first baby. I didn't know what I was doing. So I was, I was going to discipline her and I was going to win. She was three years old. I was the mom. I was in charge. So anytime she would sass back at me, I would spank her mouth. Anytime she would deliberately disobey me, I would spank her bottom. And there were times where I would spank her so much that her butt was bruised and she didn't care. And I, as, as a mom, you look at your child who has this bruised butt, you feel extremely guilty. You feel awful. You feel like, who am I better than these people you see on TV who are in jail for beating their kids because they lost it on them. Um, but the thing is, is in her eyes, she became this completely different person. I, we talked a few sermons back about um, spiritual warfare, and I was so convinced that there was a demon or something inside of her in these moments that I would pray over her, but I, it took me a while to get there. I was too proud to try to ask God to help me to fix it because I was going to try to fix it myself. I was going to spank it out of her or do whatever I needed to until I realized this is so much bigger than me. This is bigger than me winning this small little battle over candy. Um, the picture you can see of the three of them sitting on the bed was when Kyle had started bullpen and I was home with them from seven in the morning until 10 o'clock at night with no relief, really. Um, I remember putting Copeland and Ken Kendry in the living room and literally holding her in her bedroom because I was terrified that she was gonna hurt them. And I didn't know what to do. We had tried changing her diet. We had taken away, someone had suggested dairy and sugar, so I took it all away. And it worked for like a week or two, but then it was back, if not worse. Um, and then I was talking to my mom about it, and my mom was talking to all of her lady friends at church, praying for me, praying for Quinn, trying to figure out what I should do. 
and someone had suggested taking dyes away um, because food coloring, which some may say is not the case, but I will swear by it, food coloring can affect your brain stimulation. Um, and any time that she would have food coloring, she would lose it. Like to the point where she was a kid, when I'm not around, constantly watching over her, someone would give her candy because they didn't know better, and she would flip out and lose it again over something as little as, it's time for bed. I don't want to go to bed. She would start freaking out, screaming, kicking, um, anything. Um, when I was pregnant with, um, actually, Keely, just this past time, um, she got so mad at me that she would punch me in my stomach as hard as she could because she knew that it would hurt me because I wanted to protect my baby. Um, and so she just finds my most vulnerable spots and after these episodes would happen, she would be completely remorseful. She would feel awful, but I would have to let my pride fall and let her win and just say anything to me or do anything to me within the, uh, in the category of not hurting me. Like she would come at me and like wave her fists at me and I would just let her do it. Like there was no trying to stop it because as soon as I would try to put my hands on her, she would do it to me 10 times worse. And so I learned and I was not clearly a fast process. We are still dealing with it to this day. Um, but God has continued to show me that I have to let my pride go in order to help her. And I kept wanting to pray over her and to fix her when at the same time it was me that needed fixing. I wasn't allowed to win anymore and that was huge for me and super competitive and I was the mom. Why was I not supposed to win? Um, but I, you know, I let that go and um, once now she gets punished after the situation is over, she doesn't just get to win and then walk away like, ha, I just, you know, beat my parents, whatever. Um, there is punishments that have come with, but it is a daily struggle and still is a daily struggle. Um, I have been surrounded by wonderful women in this church and home group that has had my back. Home group plug, get involved. It is wonderful. Um, we have been in a home group since we've been a part of this church. And when we moved back, I did not feel like this was my home again until we found our church and got involved here. Um, uh, we are constantly praying for Quinn. Um, I feel like my girls are my super challenging places because Kendry is starting to show a lot of the same tendencies as Quinn and she is four. So please pray for me because I, I don't know, I can't do it by myself and I am home with my kids at night by myself while my husband is working and that's when it's the toughest. So at church I maybe look put together and like I've got it all figured out but I don't. I am a mess underneath and it is by God's grace that we get here every Sunday and my kids aren't kicking or hurting or punching someone. Yes, I lock myself in my bedroom sometimes. 
so that I have five minutes um, to myself. But I love my kids, and I love Quinn, even though um, it's hard to love her a lot of times after she's treated me like that, and then she'll come back to me and say, Mom, can, can you just come and snuggle with me? My first instincts are, are you kidding me? Like, you just did this, this, and this to me, and now you want to sit by me and you want me to love you? Like, that's the last thing I want to do. But I do, I sit there, and I, I will crawl in her bed with her sometimes and just lay there. I'm still writhing inside and so angry, but I know that God's love is more powerful than the love that I can show her. So I just try to cover her with that. And if you see her, please don't let this affect your relationship you can have with her. She's a wonderful girl. She really is. Um, she just... For some reason, this is the way that God has built her. And so she is just going to be fierce and independent in a good way <laughs> when she grows up. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty and transparency, don't you? This is real. And you're not alone. Well, let's close with something a little more upbeat. Give us one quick example of God's faithfulness. Uh, an example of God's goodness to you as a mom recently. So maybe we can put away the Kleenex just for a moment. And But thank you so much for your honesty. Very powerful. Who would like to go first as we close? I don't have like a one. Okay, I'll tell you. It's, it's okay. Um, a little sad, but it's funny in here. Um, so, never met my dad, single mom, to that kind of thing, right? So, I never fully understood that whole God's love, God the Father kind of thing. Never really got that um, until I had Jack. And then all of a sudden, you understand. And I don't know if it's maybe like the whole idea of sending your only son. He's my only son. Like, I love a lot of people, but I don't love any of you enough to sacrifice Jack for you. You know, so like just the full grasping of that. And I remember holding him at night. It was, he was a baby, and it was one of those late nights sitting in the recliner and just being filled with this love and looking at him like, oh my gosh, I love you so much, and talking to him. I love you so much, and he's sleeping, and he's so cute, and I love you so much. And he just farted. <laughs> kind of what you get as a mom. But there you go. <laughs> Ooh, you asked for this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tamika, you composed enough? Yeah, always. Okay. <laughs> Not. Um, mine that I was going to talk about was my daughter, Keely. Um, she was born in July and was a good-sized little baby. She was 7 pounds, 12 ounces, and just doing great. As a fifth baby, she kind of just got, you know, she goes along with the flow. She has no choice. My life is very filled with lots of stuff, so she just kind of um, comes along with everything. Um, at the When she was about, yeah, it was two months old, um, you know, you go in for your standard baby weight checks uh, to make sure everything's going well. Well, we went in at two months, and she had not gained more than just a couple ounces. Um, and she was little. 
I mean, she was two months old and still almost the same as her birth weight. Um, and this was when the doctor started freaking out. In my mind, I'm like, okay, she's eating. I'm nursing her. She's doing well, I thought. Um, but then the doctor started, you know, showing some signs of concern. So I had to start keeping track of how often I was feeding her and what I was doing. And um, uh, we went in two weeks later and then she was like, okay, like we need to start supplementing her doing something because she still, she gained an ounce in two weeks. Um, and most babies at that age are like gaining ounces and ounces. They're supposed to gain, what, a pound a month or a pound a week or something like that. More, way more than what she was gaining. Um, so it was actually my sister who suggested to me, she's like, I know that some babies, when they have issues growing, can be tongue-tied or lip-tied. So I looked and I checked it out myself, and it just so happened that she was both. She was tongue-tied and she was lip-tied. Um, so we had to then um, call and figure out a place that does reversals, uh, which means they take a scissors and they clip. They don't numb it or really do anything. Mm -hmm. They just lay your baby down and they hold it open and they clip it. Now, all you moms are like, oh, you know, yeah. it was awful. Um, Kyle left the room because it was too much for him, but me being my mommy heart, like I couldn't leave my baby in there. She's like, it's totally fine. You're not a bad mom if you leave her. And I was like, nope, I'll stay. I don't want to watch. Um, so they did the reversal and she was done crying within like a couple seconds. Um, but the next four weeks I had to do these exercises on her seven times a day, which meant literally just kind of shoving my finger in her mouth and rubbing on the sores to keep it, the skin from growing back. Um, she hated them, she cried, she screamed. Um, but then for the next four weeks after that, I had to nurse her every four hours and then I had to pump afterwards to make sure I was feeding her enough. So I got maybe like two hours of sleep at a time in the middle of the night. Now for any of you that have had multiple children, Getting that little of sleep in the middle of the night is very difficult because you don't get to just sleep all day when your baby's sleeping. Um, but my wonderful husband um, took the day shift for me for the kids when I felt like I was a walking zombie and just kind of sitting on the couch and nursing and feeding my baby was all I did. But fast forward to now, she is, well, she's still tiny. She's in the 1% uh, for her weight. She is 10 months old today. Um, and is not even 14 pounds yet. Uh, she is growing and doing well. She is starting on, well, she has been doing baby food and regular people food. We're trying to give her more fatty uh, foods because she isn't gaining a ton yet. Um, so we are, they, we have to go back next week. So prayers for this. We have to go back next week and see how much she weighs. And if she hasn't gained enough, we have to go see, I always butcher this, a gastroenterologist. So to pretty much make sure that the nutrients that she's getting are being used in her body correctly. Um, so we've come from a long ways of no sleep uh, at nights to where we are now. She, if any, any of you know her, she's a wonderful baby. She hardly cries. She falls asleep on you if she's tired. She's super low maintenance, but we just have to put a lot of time and effort into making sure she gets the food that she needs, and we don't just forget about her because she is the fifth, and she is so easy. Um, 
So, yeah, but other than that, she's doing excellent and is very loved by her older siblings. Very loved. Amen. Good. Vader? Okay. So, I guess my blessing kind of starts on a bummer note. But um, when I was previously married and had our children, I had, obviously, as I talked about before, I was the reluctant mom, and I dealt with some postpartum issues as well. And top of that, I was always told how to parent. Imagine um, an extreme grace household marrying an extreme truth household. It's not great. <laughs> I'll leave it to you to figure out who is from what household. <laughs> so that all this combined caused me to be very distant from my kids. And the two, the guilt, like feeling like I should just be cherishing every second of these baby moments in this and then having three kids 15 months and under it was just it was a lot and it was I was just like whatever whatever my mom would come and she'd help and she'd be so happy she loved oh she loved so well on my kids you wouldn't even oh if she was here today she would literally probably have made them all banners and hung them around the city but <laughs> anyways so that was a hard time because I didn't feel like like, I loved my kids, but I couldn't feel that I loved my kids. It was just what I was doing. It's just, this is who I am now. I can't feel free to parent them how I want to parent them. I can't feel free to love on them how I want to love on them. And then I got divorced, and I was faced with being a single parent, which was hard, very hard. <laughs> but in this, I got a second chance at being a mom to my kids. I got to love them how I wanted to love them. We would take trips on weekends, surprise trips, every year for Mother's Day, I'd make them do some kind of run <laughs> and just do things like that with them that before I never felt like I could. I never felt free to be able to do those things with them. I could love my kids without fear as to what the consequences would be. Um, and so, I was able to redeem the time, and you have no idea what a blessing that is. These three kids are like my, my own little tribe, and I literally do anything for them. And every day, like, they're teenagers, and they're great kids. Oh my gosh, if everyone has teens like these three, you're incredibly blessed. Because they remind me every day how much I love them, and every day I just fall more and more in love with them, and how they make my day wonderful. So, there's... Good, good. You guys did a great job. Thank you. They don't give you their stories to entertain you. They didn't come up here to uh, necessarily even inspire you. But I know that their hearts are that you would see Jesus in all of their messes. And they're pointing you to him as their source of strength. And sometimes it's messy. And sometimes we're afraid and sometimes we're guilty. And sometimes we feel controlled. But God is greater than all that. So thank you for your willingness to open your hearts and to share with us this morning. Let's thank these three, shall we? And now, as the worship team comes, let's stand together, shall we, as we close our service.
Uh, just a, a reminder that uh, as we are about to proclaim God's goodness, I trust that every one of us can say, Lord, you give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You give hope to every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. In this Mother's Day, we celebrate God's greatness. And I trust that you will receive the hope that he desires to give to us. Hope in Jesus as the source of our answers. That he would restore every heart that is broken and thrill every heart that is joyful. Because great is the Lord. Amen? Let's sing that together, shall we?